Hi, I'm your host, Connie Aline, and thank you for tuning in to The Fly Behind the Wall, a podcast created to change the narrative about the realities of life in the United States prisons and jails. My goal is to return the systematic destruction of American lives back to public conversation. Welcome to the Fly Behind the Wall, and thank you so much for joining me again. Today, I want to just kind of talk about nutrition behind the wall. You know, um, you know, they say you are what you eat, right? (laughs) Well, you know, nutritional standards at state and local facilities are governed by a combination of state laws, local policies, and court decisions. Some laws require three meals within 24 hours. Others require low-fat or low-sodium diets to be available. All detention facilities must have a licensed dietitian review their menus to be accredited by the ACA. Three hots in a cot are no longer a guarantee. Uh, You know, it would appear that in our budget-conscious time, you know, corners are being cut and sometimes to the detriment of long-term inmate health. The thought that the inmates are eating better than some people on the streets just no longer has universal truth. So join me behind the wall as we explore nutrition behind the wall. In the community, nutrition is the supply of materials, food required by organisms and cells to stay alive. In science and human medicine, nutrition is the science or practice of consuming and utilizing foods. Behind the wall, so there's nutrition, right? So there are special diets. You got your religious diet, your pregnancy one, a diabetic one, hypertension one, you got cultural one. I mean, nutrition behind the wall varies, right? From system to system, but in general, inmates get meals that are healthy and nutritionally sound, though they're not always appetizing. Um, There are standardized recipes and products used for food procurement. Um, preparation, um, and meal services, right? In one facility I worked in, the inmates made the food for all the facilities in the entire state. You know, states make, I think, I think anyway, states make best efforts to meet the nutritional needs of the population. Um, When a need is is presented, you know, the medical director does a review and that need is then like the review itself is related to sort of what are the clinical practice guidelines that are available and what is ordered for general population. So a recommendation is made to, you know, in difference, it it may be a registered dietitian or to the food services administrator, like whichever one exists in, you know, your state. Um, Whoever is charged with decisions of statewide meal prep and then a menu is created to meet that new need generally inmates are given heart healthy dietary and vegetarian options 
in addition to fruit and whole grain breads. All that sounds good, right? Unfortunately, when you walk on the compound and see the number of obese inmates, it is clear that something is out of balance. Like something's not right. I mean, I've received a number of inmate complaints about the food, what it tastes like, what it looks like. Miss Connie, how are we supposed to eat this garbage? I spent all my commissary on crackhead soups and honey buns. I'm like, crackhead soups? Like, what are those? So those are ramen noodles, okay? Just so you're aware. Um, the water be brown, so I don't even want to buy Kool-Aid. Can you help us? People who don't have commissary stomachs be all jacked up. The only thing in here that tastes halfway decent are the beef patties. And we eat, we eat the fruit. I feel like crap. Then I have to take my meds and haven't eaten. And, and then my stomach gets all messed up because I don't have nothing to coat my stomach. Either way, I'm going to throw up. So no sense torturing myself by eating that garbage. And then I'm not the only one. Right? That's one letter I got. But that was one in the in, in the bucket of letters just around food. There were so many complaints about food. I mean, those complaints prompted me to action, right? So first speaking with the medical director, then approaching custody to explore the possible options that, you know, could be made available. Here's the reality. Jail, prison, it's not the four seasons. And food options will always be limited. But many institutions have moved to this industrialization and privatization, right? So they're replacing cooked food from scratch with processed food that lasts longer and only needs to be warmed up. So you can imagine if you've got overcrowding and you don't have to necessarily be cooking food, you can start chow at a decent hour and be complete at a decent hour as opposed to having to deal with whatever the food prep process is plus keeping food warm and going through that process, right? Um, I mean, clearly given like those overcrowding issues, I can imagine that this move saves time and money, you know, but it creates other issues like adding sugar-filled food products to the list. You know, at a previously managed facility, the inmates grew vegetables under custody supervision, right? And used those freshly grown veggies in their meal prep. Highly processed foods, I mean, make people sick. That fact is only magnified with the incarcerated population. The authors of the Prison Voice Washington wrote an article called Correcting Food Policy in Washington Prisons, How the DOC Makes Healthy Food Choices Impossible for Incarcerated People and What, we can, and what can Be Done. The article was very interesting. I mean, it revealed how changes in food service at Washington DOC violated the state's own health nutrition guidelines. 
they include an incredible amount of um, evidence, like, like, I don't even know how they got it, but like invoices, nutrition labels, and appendices of order forms and menus. Ultimately, their supportive document showed that minimum requirements were not being met and they were receiving high amounts of refined starches, added sugars and sodium, and commissary options were very unhealthy. Oh, after reading the article, I could confirm that this was not unique to Washington. This was definitely true. We had a small victory getting one sweet process item off of commissary or to get like a healthy one added to the main menu. The real change that I would need, the real change that I think would need to be made may cost more upfront but would ultimately reduce the medical costs and the long term, you know, relative to treatment of heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and high cholesterol, to name a few. Uh, research shows that, you know, just four weeks of eating an unhealthy, high calorie diet can lead to long term increases in cholesterol and body fat. I mean, I learned from the Marshall Project of Sheriff Joe Arpaio of Arizona, who bragged about his cost-cutting measures, which included removing all meats from the menu replaced with soy and only serve meals twice a day. I mean, the meals cost between 15 and 40 cents a piece. In 2013, Sheriff Joe tweeted the cost of calorie count for a special and more expensive Thanksgiving meal for inmates, it was 56 cents, right? In Alabama, you had Sheriff Greg Bartlett in 2009, who admitted to deposit, depositing over 200000 in state money collected for prison meals into his personal bank account. The typical meal that he served was about 58 cents. I'm just letting that rest, right? This is not to infer or insinuate any wrongdoings by others, right? It is brought into the conversation to only highlight how an already compromised population is still being taken advantage of and the impact of lack of oversight when matters are not spoken openly of, it creates opportunities for manipulation and exploitation. So what, what are we saying here, right? We got a population who's already medically and mentally compromised. We are adding in foods that we know only exacerbate those medical and mental health issues. We then address behavioral problems with uses of force, not in all situations, but we're feeding them things that will only have adverse impacts on their behavior and on their health. 
I don't know. How, how is that fair, right? When people are released from prison, their health problems become community health problems. And the financial burden on the local public health system. Preventing and helping treat chronic illnesses by serving nutritious food is cheaper than medical treatment, both during incarceration and after release. So why aren't we doing the right thing? No matter what David and Goliath situation you find yourself in, remember the words of Rosa Parks. You must never be fearful about what you're doing when it is right. I hope that I have given you enough to continue a healthy dialogue about our incarcerated citizens. Thank you so much for listening as I continue to make my own slice of the world a little better. You have just listened to The Fly Behind the Wall, now available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Be sure to subscribe, share, and write a review. Join me next time, Behind the Wall.